going to ask you along with your seats, praise the Lord, as you take your seats, I'm going to ask your cell phones to do the same. I'm going to ask and address and speak to your cell phones at this moment. Cell phone, be shut. Be shut. And I only say that because I don't want anybody viewing their cell phones during the service. Amen? Amen? I want everyone's cell phones away because sometimes we can become distracted and God is trying to tell us something and sometimes we're not capturing. Amen? You with me? God bless you, Sully. Thank you. We want to simply continue last week's sermon, which we had started and emphasized in the fact, we had emphasized the fact last week concerning Hannah's prayer. We didn't go into the details or the context of a prayer. We simply emphasized on prayer and the need for prayer. Amen? But what we want to do is today, praise the Lord, is continue uh, tomorrow or less Allow us to process and to digest and to enter into some of the details of the context of chapter 1 and that we can apply it to our lives. Simply by reading, simply by reading this portion of scripture, as I mentioned last week, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, Kings, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, are written in such a way, masterfully done, masterfully done, where it's written in a way that you can sort of fit into the picture. So as we read the story of Elkanah, you know, there are three particular main characters in every plot, right? Well, maybe not every, right? Sometimes it's just one star. But in this plot itself, there are three main characters. And then there are some other cameos, right? Or other people within the background like uh, Eli and his two sons. But what God and Samuel are trying to get us to focus on is the relationship and circumstances surrounding Hannah, her husband Elkanah, and Penina. At the time within the culture, man dominated the culture. Man was predominant. Man was lead role. And such as the story tells us, Elkanah doesn't fall short of that. He's the lead role here. But Hannah sort of drives the story. Hannah sort of drives the story. When we look into the chapter, we realize that there's more, that, more than meets the eye. There is so much more going on within this chapter than what we can physically, naturally see when we read the portion. Naturally, we know that today because we're reading historical facts. So when we read history, we already know, when we start reading about Christopher Columbus, we already know that he's about to discover America. When we read about Ponce de Leon, we realize that he's about to land in Florida. When we read about George Washington, we realize he's about to become president. But at the time, these main characters within history had no idea what they were about to discover or what time and place they were going to make and the imprint in history. Folks, this is important because I want us to emphasize the fact that you have no idea as of yet. You have no idea as of yet how you today are going to affect the next generation. And it could be the generation of your household, your grandchildren. It could be the generation here in the Bronx, your neighborhood, your community, the people next door to you. 
What generation will you impact? And what an impact will you have on this generation? Folks, I hope and pray in the name of Jesus that as you ask God to lead you into your purpose and plan within his will, that you allow your soul and spirit to comply to the word of God and to the will. Because there's so much more to you than what meets the eye. Let me tell you something, folks. There's a lot that will be said. God permitting the rapture doesn't come first and you pass on here on earth. Conversations will take place about you at your funeral. That you will have no idea until then, afterlife, how much you impacted or affected certain people. You know, there are people who are going to come about and normally they come about and say, they speak about the good at a funeral, right? You know, I, I, we try not to speak ill, they say, ill of the dead, right? We always bring up the good. Oh, it's like when in the news, sadly, I'm sorry that I'm not making fun of anybody, but every time somebody shot, hurt, or something happened, he was a model student, he was a perfect child, he was a model brother, he was a model son, you know, and the news paints a good picture of who they were. The news puts him up and people say, oh, he never hurt anybody. She never hurt anybody. There was one honest lady, though, during the Rodney King trial and the riots. She came out on television, on CNN, and she said, oh, my son only steals and kills when he has to. Thank you for your honesty. Now, where's your son so I can stay away from him? But you know what? The news paints a picture. The news paints a picture. But we fail to see the fact that there are some people within the pockets that know the real story. Know the real story. See, if, if we were to report on this story of Alcana, Hannah, and Panina, we would speak about how Hannah lived happily ever after. But the news won't bring about the second about Hannah suffering behind the scenes. See, when we look at you, I hope you paint a positive, smiling picture around your neighborhood. But people don't know that you're suffering within your finances or having a difficult time. Should they know? No. Let me tell you, if my neighbor's going to help me with the mortgage or the rent, then I'll paint that miserable picture in front of him or her. But if they can't do nothing for me, then why should I wear my feelings or emotions on my sleeve? See, but nobody has to know what's going on within my heart or within my household. And this household had its problems. This household had its circumstances. But there was a household who was going to affect generations to come. See, the sad circumstances surrounding Eli... And his sons come to light in chapter 2 and in chapter 3. This was the religious culture. There was problems in politics. There was problems in religion. But there was also problems within the household. You see? And today I didn't approach with the mic. And today I didn't approach with the mic. <laughs> wow. But yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Jesse's, listen, listen, Jesse, I'm going to speak to only you. You're the one listening. Praise God. Thank you. But yes, 
The problem started because he had two wives. See, Elkanah was the cause of Hannah's misery. Because had Elkanah not married Penina, Penina would have not been Hannah's rival and provoked her to the point that the Bible says she was miserable and couldn't eat. Some of us, is there, some of us should be a little bit miserable and not eat sometimes. <laughs> you laughed a little too hard at that comment. I hope you weren't looking at me when you said that. I didn't notice you. <laughs> but some of us need to suffer sometimes, right? But no, Hannah found herself in a difficult circumstance. Because the thing is, the culture did not help Hannah. See, Alcana, we mentioned, Alcana was a priest. Priest. But he was a non-functioning priest. From Remethane. But the sad thing about Alcana, Alcana, it mentions his past. He was a son, he was the grandson, and the great-grandson of Soso. You know why it mentions somebody's generation? Because it speaks about the importance of the impact that they're about to make on history. And Alcana had no idea that his ancestors... We're about to become, 120 years from now, the musical ministers, the Levites, the priests that were going to lead the house of Solomon. See, you might not know right now what God is doing with you. Like Hannah didn't know. Hannah did not fully understand her circumstances. Hannah did not fully see. The problem was that the circumstances surrounding Hannah at this moment was that she became a target to Penina. And you know what the problem, one of the problems were? See, God was moving Hannah into serving the next generation. And Hannah had no idea. See, sometimes we may think we're so insignificant. Sometimes we may think we're a zero to the left, as they say in Spanish. We're on the negative side. Sometimes we think that we're, you know, as, as, as the Israelites saw themselves compared to those in Cana. You know, we're grasshoppers compared to them. There is nothing of value that can come out of me. And that's probably the way Hannah felt. There was nothing of value within her. But Hannah no, had no idea, because the Bible says, and it mentions it twice, that God had closed her womb. You see, sometimes God is working out a picture that we can't see. One thing I love is if, if, if you go into a forest, right? Go into a forest. Many of us don't live near a forest, right? I certainly don't. <laughs> And you stand, you stand like this in front of a tree. You can appreciate that tree. But there's more to this forest than the eye can see at that moment. See, there's a bigger picture. Because there's nearsighted and there's farsighted. There's short term and there's long term. And the thing is, when you're in front of that tree, you appreciate that tree no matter what kind of tree it is. But when you start to step back and further back and further back, and you go further back, further back. You begin to realize there's so much beauty that you were missing out on. Then you can appreciate the caps of snow upon the mountaintops. Then you can appreciate the animals running. And you see, you, you see bushes moving, but you can't quite see the animal. And you were standing so close to them. 
But you begin to appreciate it from a distance. And you begin to realize there was so much more to that picture than your eye allowed you to see. See, that's the way our lives are sometimes. Sometimes we're so nearsighted that we're stuck seeing only what's in front of us, folks. When what God is doing in you right now is going to affect generations to come, people to come. There is a much more beautiful picture to be painted. But somebody has to pay the price. Jesus was on the cross of Calvary. Jesus shed his blood. He was beaten, smacked, his beard was ripped, his hair was ripped off. He was crucified. He finally sadly died. But to the glory, to the honor of God, he rose on the third day. See, Jesus knew that resurrection was on its way. But he had to go through the suffering. Someone had to pay the price. See, you're simply paying the price of what's to come. Because when you say, God, I want to be a vessel that you will use, you become a target. Because when you start praying, God, use me. God, motivate me to speak to someone. You didn't start speaking that word because you decided within your own heart that you, were gonna, you wanted to speak to someone or that you wanted to be used. What happened was that God was preparing you. And sometimes we say, God, use me, but we're afraid to take the next step. We become so scared. And we begin to hold that. Beep, 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 beep. We want to backtrack. We want to backtrack. You know what? Let me tell you. I'm going to tell you this quick parenthesis thing. Yesterday I was so tired. Right? And women have a way of saying things. Women have a way of saying things. Women are so wise. And I praise God for my wise wife. But after so many years, I began to understand what my wife is trying to say. See, Nancy tells me. What was that? What was that? No, no, no. I, I, I've caught on. I've caught on. See? It's being recorded, right? My beautiful, gorgeous wife. She tells me, yes, I'm, let me tell you, I got up tired. I didn't sleep well Friday. Um, Friday's the least sleep night for me. I come from out of work. I come to the church. And, then I, and I've been, I've been up, I was up since like 12, 30 the night before. And, and so then I slept Friday night, I, I, uh, maybe like six hours, if. And then I get up on Saturday and I'm, I'm a little tired. So I'm making eggs, you know, for the family. Everybody wants this and that. Jordan's still sleeping. And as she says, six, when are you going to decorate the front? When are you going to decorate the front of the house? Right? When she said that, I know what that means. It doesn't mean six, when are you going to decorate the front of the house? It's six, decorate the front of the house. <laughs> decorate the front of the house. So I'm like, I said, oh, babe, I'm going to do it in a few minutes. I had not even thought about it. I thought Christmas can go on. I really had no intention to decorate it. I was tired. So I said, um, oh, babe, I'll do it in a few. So then... About an hour and a half goes by, I'm sitting at the table, this and that. I'm watching a guy for Ray, man, visiting diner at the diner. And, and all of a sudden she comes back to me, she says, six. She said, six, are you gonna decorate today? That means do it right now. <laughs> Yo, I ran upstairs, changed my clothes, I put on pants, I went outside, I put on my lawn johns, I cleaned the leaves, I just, man, I, I was just out there doing my thing. See, but God has a way of doing the same. God has a way of doing this. See, sometimes God asks us certain questions and motivates us. But God is trying to drive us into a certain direction. 
See, because the Bible says that God, mentions it twice, God closed Hannah's womb. He closed her womb. See, the fact that God's hand was involved, but her rival could not see this. Penina could not see that there was a purpose. Penina just saw, bless you all, Penina just simply saw that she had no children. And Penina was saying, you know, sadly, the truth was, ha, 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 I have my children, and you have none. You have none. Just like that. Read it, it's right there. <laughs> and what affected, you know what's so sad? Because circumstances bring out the real you. When situations occur, it brings about the real you. If you see somebody in life progressing and you can't be happy for them, question your motive. Question your motive. If you see somebody in life failing and you're sort of enjoying it, and you're on the outside saying, oh, man, I wish you didn't have to go through this. But in your heart, you're like, good for you. You have to question your motives. Because sometimes we may not be as harsh to say, good for you. But inside we're saying, you know what, he deserved it. He deserved it. And all we need to say is, Mike, you're going through it. Even though you deserved it, good for you. But I'm sorry you're going through it. No, 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 no. no. We have to be real. Because circumstances bring the real you to the surface. See, Penina, the real her came out. Jealousy, anger, bitterness. And the problem is, you know what? Bitterness has legs. When you become bitter, you want to share bitterness. It becomes hard to share wealth. People say, oh, if I won lotto, I'm going to hide from everybody. <laughs> Jesse Reddy has her plan. I'm going to hide from everybody. But you know what? When it's bitterness, you know what? You have no problem cutting somebody down. And when you say certain things that hurt somebody, you know, it creates a claw that goes into that heart. And sometimes, you know what, you not only have their heart, but you want to shake it. Because you know what, you want them to feel the same misery, the same bitterness, the same anger that you do. And that's what Penina was. See, Penina had all her children, but she didn't have Elkanah's love like Hannah did. And you know what? If you don't hear anything about the sermon, listen to this. Attention. The Bible tells us that Elkanah will give to Penina and to her sons a portion. But then Samuel goes out of his way to say, but to Hannah, he gave her a double portion. A double portion. See, this made Hannah a target. This made Hannah a target. And you know what's so big about this, folks? The problem here was that Elkanah's, next, Elkanah's name was going to travel through the sons of Penina. Through the sons. So Elkanah's generation was already secured. Those who were going to inherit the property, the money, the funds, they were already in place. Hannah's sons and Hannah's I'm part of Penina's sons and Penina's daughters. They were going to inherit. The important thing was to a woman back then, culturally speaking, it was an honor to give birth and a curse if you didn't. So every wife wanted to give birth. Not only birth, birth to a boy. Because the understanding was that everyone expected perhaps to give birth to the Messiah. 
Everyone wanted to give birth to a boy, to give birth to the Messiah that will save not only his generation, but generations to come and generations in the past. So Hannah, that was her desire. That's why she asked for a baby boy. See, but Hannah had no idea. She was a target. And this is what I want you to listen to. What made her a target was that double portion. Because Panina knew that Hannah was getting a double portion. See, Panina knew that she was getting her portion and her sons and daughters alike. But they were getting, allow me. Could you imagine? Panina, this is for you. Son number one, for you. Number three is for you. Number four for you. Daughters, we're plural, right? Daughters for you, for you, for you. And they're all there at the same table. Hannah, this is for you. This is for you. That's love. That's love. And the problem was that Panina knew, and I mentioned last week, she knew what she was getting into. She knew that Elkanah loved Hannah. And the only reason she was there was to provide children and inheritance to Elkanah. Folks, there's a major problem here. If we read chapter 2 and chapter 3, we see that Ophni, the sons of Eli, were corrupt. The culture was corrupt. If we read the book of Judges, the situation politically was corrupt. There was corruption in culture, in religion. There was corruption in politics. Everything was corrupt. And the family was corrupted as well. See, Hannah had a lot to deal with. But let me tell you, in the eyes of Hannah, Elkanah was not more worth more than ten sons. But when that double portion came to Hannah, folks, I don't know if you see the mercy of God here. But when Hannah received that double portion, it's something to think about. I had the love of my husband. I had the love of my husband. But it's not enough. And what's worse is that Panina knows. And for the third time, this is what I want you to listen to. Hannah was receiving a portion because she had children. That's the only reason. Pardon, Panina, because she had children. Hannah was receiving a double portion because she had the love of Alcana. Hannah was receiving what she did not deserve. Panina was upset because Panina's thinking, if speculation is right, if she had 10 sons and daughters, Panina said, what? 90 months I have suffered giving birth to the children of this man. This man doesn't know that I was up all night because his son or his daughter had an earache. Looking for remedies because they had stomach aches. We're talking about 10 years of giving birth of children. And 10 years going back to the house of the Lord. 10 years of sacrificing. And 10 years of this woman receiving a double portion that I should be receiving. Hannah had no idea what it was to break the womb with a child. 
She had no idea. But God's mercy was upon her. See, Hannah got what she did not work for. And folks, that's where you and I come in. Because we have received the double portion of grace and mercy from God. And we did not get, we're receiving from God what we have not earned nor what we deserve. The eyes of the Lord upon the righteous. God is watching out for us. Are we together so far? God bless the four of you who are with me. See, God wanted Hannah to understand that she was loved. But the love of Elkanah was simply not enough. Hannah should have understood. You know what? You're receiving a double portion that you did not earn, you didn't work for, you didn't suffer for, you didn't battle for. How many of us have worked for our salvation? But yet there it is. Yet there it is. Freely given unto each and every one of us. We're going into a heaven of streets of gold, rivers like crystal. We're going to see pearls upon a wall and perfect shapely stones. We're going to see the king of the glory of God. And when we get there, folks, we have to understand, I did not work for this. I did not earn this. I received this simply because God loved me. That's good. But in the meantime, it makes me a target. Because the devil is watching. Your rival is observing. And he knows that you're receiving that portion, that blessing, that grace, that honor, that mercy. He knows that God is caressing you, that God is loving you, that God's affection, affection is going out toward you. He knows that when you're crying, you sometimes you're not crying because you're upset or sad. He knows that sometimes you're crying because you realize, I just don't deserve this. So it makes us a target. And you know what happens sometimes? Folks, you have the blessing in your hand. Osafo, you have the blessing in your hand. Sarah, you have the blessing in your hand. You have the double portion of the blessing of God upon you right now. Liz, you're blessed. Bobby, Tina, I can go on the You're doubly blessed. And God is telling you, aren't I enough? Because the blessing was in her hand. But she says, remember my circumstance. Remember my circumstance. She says, remember what your maid servant is going through. Remember me. She's telling the Lord. See, sometimes we, we, we can't focus on the blessing. And the blessing's right there. And we fail to realize that God has blessed us. And because we're so focused on all the negative. You know what's so strange? It's sad, right? Not that I'm a, a fan of Hollywood, though I'm a movie watcher and sitcom watcher and TV watcher and Netflix watcher, so on and so on, right? But, but have you ever noticed that whenever something happens, you know, a, a star can be, or, or, or an evangelist, a pastor, a preacher, you know, they, they could do something good and you never hear, really hear about it? But the moment something bad happens, oh my God, it hits the pages and will not leave. It's every channel, every news. If you missed it at 6 o'clock, you can catch it at 11. If you missed it at 11, you can miss catch it in the morning, the second repeat on Good Morning America. You know, it's just like all over the place. 
all over the place. See, and, and sometimes we do that. Sometimes we magnify the bad and we fail to see the good. Why do we get stuck on what's wrong? You know, if a brother or sister does something that is negative, it's so hard to forgive. Oh, sorry, easy to forgive, but hard to forget. Because we'll say, hey, I forgive you. But I don't know about that forget me business, forget, forgetting business. And see, because it becomes so easy for us to focus on the negative. And we get stuck on the negative. And we fail to see the blessing that's within our hand. See, Hannah showed us this. Because what? Hannah has a double portion in her hand. I'm sorry. I don't know about you. But when I'm going through something, you drop a double portion of a meal in my hand and I'm going to eat a double portion and the panina doesn't want hers, I'm going to eat hers too. Because that's just the way my system works. I'm not the kind of person some people say, oh, I'm going through something so I cannot eat. No, I'm not that kind of person. When I suffer, I eat. Let me tell you, we got to go to Costco twice in the week when I'm going through some suffering. But there are some people who don't operate that way. Well, there was a one time in my life where I didn't do that because a girl had broken my heart, this girlfriend I had years ago. She broke my heart. And in two months, I lost like 19 pounds. What'd you say, Jose? Well, they say, I found them. They're right there. <laughs> but you know what? Hannah had that problem. Hannah had the double portion. What does the Bible says? She couldn't eat. She couldn't eat. See, sometimes God is trying to feed us and bless us because this meal is going to give us the strength to get up tomorrow. See, and that's in the natural. But sometimes God is trying to give us spiritual food as well. Sometimes God is trying to feed our souls, our spirit. God is trying to bring us to intake this. Listen to this. Take this word and make it yours. And we're so worried about what's going on around us that we fail and we can't eat. We can't digest it. We can't process it. We can't allow the word to bring about a change in our lives because we're so worried about what's going on in our lives. Stop. Focus. And eat. And eat. Stop. Focus and eat. Because where is God trying to lead you? And how is he trying to lead you there? See, God is trying to bring Hannah. And I have to assume, folks, and I need you to travel and have the visual effect as I do. Hannah's sitting at a table, and God is giving her the double portion through Elkanah because Hannah, God wants Hannah to understand that she's loved. This is the hard part. And this is where we hit the wall. God is trying to tell Hannah. While Hannah's there sitting with a double portion in her hands and she can't eat, God is saying, Hannah, pray. Hannah, pray. Hannah, speak to me. Hannah, just ask and I will open doors that no man can shut and shut doors that no man can open. Hannah, ask in the name of Jesus. And you shall receive. Hannah, come before me. If you're weary, you're tired, you feel weak, come before me. And I'm going to give you rest. In no way will I cast you out, Hannah. Reach out toward me, Hannah. And I'm going to reach right back toward you. Hannah, pray. 
Don't stay. Don't stay there. Don't stay there. Because that's exactly what the enemy wants. The enemy wants to paralyze you. He wants to hold you back. He wants to stagnate you. He wants to bring you to the point where you can't even pray. Has it ever happened to anybody else besides me that you're going, you know what? Because when I'm going through something, something that sometimes, let me tell you, I'm going through things, I will eat. But I have a hard time praying. I have a hard time praying. And you know what? But I force this body. Jesse, thanks. Mike, text me tonight, Mike. I ain't getting no answer back, brother. <laughs> but there's times, man. <laughs> there are times. Let me tell you, when I'm in bed and I'm going through it and I can't sleep and my mind is racing, racing oh my god and you know what's so sad folks I'm sorry I know some of you guys know what it's like to be a pastor but some of the times it's not even my personal problem sometimes it's Mark's problem sometimes it's Mike's problem sometimes it's Jenny's problem sometimes it's Tina's knee you know there are things that are in my head and my head is running and I can't sleep and I'm exhausted and my spirit is telling me, pray. God is telling me, pray. You want to see a change? Pray. I'm worried about the church. Pray. But you know what? It, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I don't have problems of my own. You know what? Because I don't live a perfect life. Sometimes like, the problems are mine. And then I text you guys, you know, I'll tell some people suddenly. I hardly ever give details of what I'm going through. But sometimes suddenly I'll tell somebody, pray with me. Pray with me. Don't leave me alone. Pray with me. You know how many strangers I tell on the bus? I'm telling you, it's God is my witness. How many times somebody on the bus comes on and preaches? There's a gentleman who comes out in a wheelchair. This guy does this every morning, man. He comes from Suffolk Boulevard. He'll travel miles in a wheelchair on the bus to go to Broadway Junction, and he preaches there for about an hour and a half, and then gets back on the bus and goes back home. I pick up that guy so many times and I grab him and I tell him before he leaves, yo, please keep Francois in prayer. Keep him in prayer. Keep him in prayer. And when somebody comes in the bus, man, and they come un unsuspectedly and they say, God bless you. Let me tell you, I look for them on the bus, see where they're sitting, where they're standing, and on the way out, sometimes they're like, hey, pray for Francois. Pray for Francois. And there's some people who remember because you know what? God puts me in the mind of people. God puts me in the mind of people the way he does with you. On the way off their bus, off the bus, sometimes they say, they go, hey, and I forget. And on the way off, they go, hey, I'm praying for you. 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 You praying for me? Amen. Thank you, Carmen. Thank you, Mike. The rest of you, join these two. But you know what? There are times when my mind is racing and I can't see the blessed hand of God. 
but I can see the hand of the devil so clearly against the wall, the writing on the wall. The devil did this, the devil did that, the devil did this. But it's time I start saying, you know what? God did this. The devil did this, the devil did that, but Jesus was crucified by his stripes, by his wounds. I am healed. The devil meant it for damage, but God took it for his glory. My past is part of the past. I'm going through it. I've been through it. I've lived it. I've suffered it. I experienced it. I could talk about it, but I could also talk about what God has done. Sometimes I say, God, I don't know what he or she is capable of, but I know you, and I know what you're capable of doing. You've been there in the past. And that's what Hannah was counting on. The fact that God had been present. God had not abandoned her. See, because even though Hannah was suffering, where was Hannah year after year? In the temple. See, sometimes we suffer, and the last place we want to be is in the house of the Lord. I have made visits. And let me see. Anybody here? No, nobody's here. I have made home visits where somebody has told me, oh, I'm going through a trial. And because of what I'm going through, I, I, I can't go to church. And I'm like, this is where you need more to be. This is the time that you need more to be in the church. See, sometimes, man, we allow our bitterness and our hardship to hold us back from what God wants to do. You know what? God, sometimes, you know, what, what God is doing, he's moving us pace by pace. He's trying to position us into a place where he can bless us. Manny knows this. If you want to catch the bus, you have to be in the bus stop. Is that true, Manny? If you want to catch a bus, you have to be in the bus stop. We can let you off anywhere. No, let, let me not tell them that secret. No, but don't tell them because then they, they'll get, they're going to abuse it. From 10 to 5 a.m., we can drop you off anywhere. But we can never, ever pick you up unless if you're in the bus stop. And let me tell you, if the driver deems it to be safe, deems, that's a big word, right? Thank you. English, oh, oh, too. But you know what? If you want to be blessed, if you want to be used, you have to find yourself in the position where God can bless you. And so many times, God is trying to drive you to the position of blessing, and sometimes we can't find our way. We're so worried that we're focused on this, on that, on this, on that. And, and you know what? God is trying to say, listen, get to point B already. But we're so worried about C and D. Listen, let C and D take care of itself. First deal with B. Get there. No matter how, get there. I love Florence Nightingale's quote. She said in life, you have to fight tooth, nail, claw, and jaw every step of the way. And there's sometimes in life where you have to tooth it out. You have to nail it out. You have to scratch it out. You know, there's sometimes in life where you have to say, listen, enough is enough. 
listen, the devil has convinced me that I'm not blessed, but I have a double portion in my hand. The devil's trying to tell me I'm not worthy, but God is telling me you have the double portion in your hand. The devil's telling me that I am insignificant, but you know what? Who, let's be adult about it, who pushed the sperm up the canal? Who drove that sperm to reach your mother's embryo, to become an embryo? God was there every step of the way and has not left you since. Who was there, Jeremiah was told, even before you wore a thorn or a gleam in your father's thigh? I was there preparing your birth because I had plans, I had purpose with you. But bring yourself into the position where I can work it out. Where I can work it out. We struggle. We battle. We have a hard time. Folks, it begins... 12-step plan, right? Some of you guys know that 12-step plan. I had to go cold turkey. But I understand one of the plans is, you know what? One of the 12 steps is admitting. Admitting that you're struggling. See, because sometimes we want to be honkadori like we're living. You know what? I'm sorry, man. And this is a quick commercial. <laughs> I get upset at Christians who try to play it like, like, like everything is good. You can't even say hello straight sometimes. How are you doing, brother? <laughs> what was your question again? <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm sorry. I have to break it down like it's real. Let me tell you, at work, by the grace of God, don't see me and call me Pastor Rev, this and that. I'm not done stop saying, hell, I'm not a Rev yet. Hold on, I'm working on it. <laughs> Pastor, say, Pastor. Uh, you know, sometimes I got to tell him, I say, yo, I don't have it together. Let's pray. There was a brother man and in the conversation we were having, and I just felt for the spirit. And I said, you know what? I battle like you do. I, I, you guys. I said, I battle like you guys do, man. As a female gets on the bus, you know, she's not properly dressed, you know what? It becomes a fight in my head, you know, and I got to pray to God. And then, you know, we left it at that, and then I walked away, and I was like saying, why did I say that? Why did I say that? You know, I should have kept that to my, like, like right now, I'm telling myself, why did I say that? And let me tell you, a few minutes later, one of the brothers came up to me and quiet, and he said, Sis, man. He says, I'm having a hard time with that, man, but I can't speak to nobody in my church. He says, what, how, how are you going to be a pastor? You're telling me I'm struggling. I said, brother, the only perfect one here is Jesus. And if it wasn't for the blood, I wouldn't be a pastor. If it wasn't for the blood, you wouldn't be a child. I told him, man, yo, I told him, you know what Luther said? Let the birds fly over your head, but don't let them make a nest. And I told him, I said, you know what? I always keep in my mind a model. And I'm sorry if you guys are not good at big old models, but I told myself, when a female gets on, I said, don't start something that you should not finish. And I said, I look at me. I turn my head. That's not for me. Mine lives at 103. That's it. I've been with her for many years, and that's where I want to be. And you know what? The flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. 
But if you focus on your flesh, you're going to feed that flesh. If you focus on the spirit, you're going to feed that spirit. If you focus on your problem, you're going to identify with your problem. See, Hannah was identified with a barren woman. She was barren. That was her identity. There she is, childless. But let me tell you, you're going to pray your way out of that circumstance. You're going to pray your way out of that situation. You're going to pray your way out of that identity. That double portion, that was who Hannah really was. Because God was blessing what he was doing within her. And you know what? Sometimes you, 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 you are getting what you don't deserve. But see, God was trying to lead Hannah somewhere. How was he doing it? God is trying to lead you somewhere. How is he doing it? Because you think you're suffering now? Look at the big picture. Look, I'm sorry. Listen, look at the big picture. Stop being nearsighted. Stop focusing on the now. Start focusing on the then, on the future, on what God is trying to do within you. Suffering lasts through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Allow God's word to be true. And allow the blessed hand of God to touch you. Before the worship team goes up, if you feel in your heart the need for prayer, come up now. Don't waste time. Come on up. God bless you. God keep you.